Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. I'm undergoing self-isolation. It's the only way to be. Just for the lack of stimulation. So come self-isolate with me. became a big thing now Stormy Daniels Cuter than a bag full of spaniels She's cheap at twice the price Like the Ritz be buried in a very classy tits Stormy Daniels Didn't need any guides or manuals Quick trip to paradise Paid her from my own account Just for Max Clarity Some I never did For any School Or charity Despite what you may hear There's no Similarity I never need Advice She's not a slut I just Help to keep her pie hole shut Stormy Daniels Such a thrill Doesn't come in granules Snorty And oh so nice Enemies pretend is some kind of sex scandal Acting as if I'm some kind of sleazy sex vandal Just because I have a guy who knows how to handle Lips that can sink my ship It's too much Already babbled to in touch Stormy Daniels Could have messed up all my careful planules Tried so hard to put her on ice No dice Now she's sued Last time she'll see me in the nude Stormy Daniels Once one of the all-time great companions
way expensive slice Why, this is the show, isn't it? And that was... Um this week's Donald Trump song, I'm putting out one a week. Me, I'm Harry Shearer. Thank you for asking. One Donald Trump song a week up on YouTube and uh, wherever you get your music, as they say. In the, Is there still a music business? Thank goodness. Um, and, uh, from now until, you know, October or something like that. And that was this week's. In honor of the fact that there are two, count them, two hurricanes as uh, this program is being recorded, heading for New Orleans. Well, maybe not New Orleans, but the um, the Gulf Coast, Louisiana, Texas maybe, Mississippi maybe. So um, keep an eye out. Well, actually, since there are two storms, you have to keep two eyes out. So, ladies and gentlemen, widely regarded as a triumph, uh, Joe, is it Biden? Joe Biden's acceptance speech of the Democratic Convention. Once again, failed to mention an issue that the Republicans hammer in their elections, in their election campaigns. Judges. It's like they don't... They, you know, the Democrats bitch about the judges that um, Donald Trump got to appoint, and the justices, but then they never campaign on the issue. So it's. I guess it doesn't mean anything. I guess it's not important. I guess there's only one thing left to do. Play the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. I'm doing my best, sir. And now, ladies and gentlemen. We've got the ultra modern neck. No getting oil from the deepest crack. So give the boys just a bit of slack. Well, here's a question answered. How how severe is the earthquake threat from fracking? You know, Oklahoma has had a lot of earthquakes. I think other fracking states have as well. As strong as a four on the Richter scale. But up in Canada, they got more information on this subject. They always seem to, don't they? There's a dam in northeastern British Columbia. It isn't existful yet. They're building it right now. It's called the Site C Dam. No, there, you can't see the sea from there. F- try to follow with me here. It's proving more difficult than officials predicted due to unstable ground on the northern bank and myriad earthquakes. Those are the worst kind. There's a... Uh, Rising number of earthquakes has been reported upon by the local news site, the Taiyi, for a decade. The rising number of quakes caused by fracking of shale formations in the region. Now new studies put the number of such tremors in recent years in the many thousands. Thousands of quakes, ladies and gentlemen. It's a whole lot of shaking going on, raising more worries about the future of the dam project. 
Researchers warn the shaking could become strong enough to crumble critical infrastructure. But why is it so critical? You know, tell it to enjoy it. Critical infrastructure such as roads, high-rise buildings, and dams. The province, B.C., is a province, not a state. The province's regulatory practices try to limit fracking after small earthquakes have been triggered. Well, that's closing the barn door, isn't it? But that's not sufficient to protect critical or vulnerable infrastructure that have unacceptable failure consequences. It's according to noted seismic hazard expert Gail Atkinson in a recent issue of Nature Reviews. Thumbs up, Nature. No one can yet predict frack-triggered quakes before they happen, and hazard forecasting remains a critical area of research, according to the article. Another, another study released this week by a researcher at the Canadian Center for Policy Alternatives took data from federal earthquake catalogs. That would be Canadian federal, not the real federal, to show how many tremors the fracking industry is producing near the dam site. The numbers are staggering. So are the people. Come on. Between 2017 and 2018 alone, the industry triggered 6,551 earthquakes, greater than 0.8 magnitude in the region, near the troubled mega project. That project has a price estimate of 12 billion Canadian and rising. Drilling by Canadian Natural Resources Limited triggered a magnitude 4.6 earthquake a couple years ago that forced the evacuation of the dam site. It was followed by 3.5 and four events after the fracking stopped. But the earth remembered. Those quakes which shook buildings in a nearby town, Fort St. John, forced engineers to reassess dam safety in the region where seismic risks have been dramatically altered by widespread fracking. Much of the area to the south of the Site C Dam is riddled with faults in the shale rock, according to an experienced mapper, where, I said mapper, no, he's not swearing, where fossil fuel companies have pressure-pumped hundreds of millions of liters of water into the earth. A Cornell University expert on fracking says BC Hydro, British Columbia Hydro, which is building the dam, his name is Anthony Ingraffi, he says BC Hydro is playing with fire by building in an area made seismically active by fracking. Lubrication, thank you, and stress changes, both results of fracking and waste injection, can activate long dormant fault systems. If one were to have accurate estimates of fault areas in these stress changes, one could estimate the largest possible magnitude, and that's the key issue, especially with regard to dam safety. He hopes geologists are at work right now trying to do that estimate. For years, B.C. Hydro and B.C.'s Oil and Gas Commission have been reluctant to talk about the risks that earthquakes triggered by fracking pose to dams throughout the northeastern part of the province. But a Freedom of Information request earlier this year found a raft of correspondence, you can float on it then, that proved officials have been concerned about the hazards posed by fracking and wastewater disposal in the region for more than a decade. B.C. Hydro officials warned numerous people in the province government, including senior bureaucrats and unidentified ministers, that fracking near its dams could have grave consequences, including the worst possible outcome, outright dam failure. The uh, documents that came out have been published in this uh, provincial newspaper, the Taiyi. Now, the recent study by McGill University researchers using a different set of data from the same region, nearly 5,000 earthquakes 
in a roughly similar area. Strongest one, 4.5. Hey, that's getting there. Researchers wrote that the Monterey, sorry, the Montney Formation has hosted the largest hydraulic fracking-induced earthquakes in Canada to date. They suggested large-scale fracking had increased the poor pressure in shale rocks that underlie the region and its three dams already. Increased pressure caused by fracking connected to existing faults and destabilized a large shale area, resulting in 38 distinct swarms of earthquakes, according to the researchers. One can only say in wonder and dismay, what the frack? And if the earth won't get you, the ocean will. More than 10 times as much plastic has been found in the Atlantic Ocean than previously estimated to be there. So the world's plastic problem is likely to be much greater than realized. This is from The Guardian. Apropos of microplastics, just one word. New measurements of the top 200 meters of the Atlantic found between 12 and 21 million tons of microscopic particles from the three most common types of plastic in about 5% of the ocean. That would indicate a concentration in the Atlantic of about 200 million tons of these common plastics. That's why I like the Pacific. It's just, I don't know, a nicer ocean, maybe. Previous estimates based on calculations of the amount of mismanaged municipal waste in coastal areas were that between 17 million and 47 million tons of plastic had been released into the Atlantic in total over 65 years from 1950 to 2015. A uh, member of the UK's National Oceanography, Oceanography Center, sorry, and the lead author of the study said, our key finding is that there is an awful lot of very, very small microplastics in the upper Atlantic Ocean, much higher than the previous estimate. The amount of plastic has been massively underestimated. She said the discovery should spur policymakers. They're easily spurred to consider what could be done to stop so much plastic reaching the seas where it endangers marine life. She added, people still know too little about the dangers. That's because they haven't been sufficiently spurred. One word, ladies and gentlemen, microplastics. Now, for those who believe that Facebook is basically a benign organization that's been unfairly accused of gobbling up stuff, gobbling up other companies, and then uh, taking advantage of that uh, quasi-oligopoly kind of situation... Here's good news. You're wrong. Now, you know, this is thing called Oculus, virtual reality headsets. Yeah, it didn't catch on, but they're still around. And it was bought by Facebook a couple of years ago with all the usual promises. Now, we learn users who sign up for the uh, virtual reality headsets, now, new ones, will need a Facebook account in order to access the headsets starting a couple months. Existing users will have until 2023 to make the mandatory switch if they require their device to have full functionality. I I, I think that's the gold state, isn't it? According to a blog post shared by Oculus this week, anyone using an Oculus device for the first time from October will need to log in with a Facebook account, as I mentioned. Oculus account support will end... January 2023, limiting the device's functionality for users who don't migrate to a Facebook account. This is from uh, Eurogamer. Oculus 
claims this move to a single-account login will, alongside other numerous supposed social benefits, hey, all your friends are here. Didn't you know that? We'll make it easier to find, connect, and play with friends in VR. However, the less-than-stellar immediate response to the announcement by Oculus users on social media suggests many view it as nothing more than a nefarious attempt by Facebook to hoover more individuals up into its ecosystem. Because what they need, of course, is... More data! More data! We need more data! Come on! More data! More data! Huh? Get some data for me! More data! More data! More data! We need more, more! Facebook says it will use the information it collects from users relating to the use of Oculus and Facebook for, quote, providing and improving your experience across Facebook products. Yes, your experience can go across now. To promote, quote, safety and integrity on our services and to show personalized content, including ads across Facebook products, unquote. Yeah, including ads. They just mentioned it a little bit in passing, set off by commas, so you wouldn't really pay too much. As for the exact functionality users will have access to in 2023. Still a little unclear. Facebook says it will take steps to allow you to keep using content you've purchased, but that some games and apps may no longer work if they require a Facebook account or if a developer no longer offers support. That couldn't possibly happen because Facebook wouldn't encourage developers to. Facebook was asked whether... um, Users will still be able to use their Oculus headsets with Steam virtual reality from 2023. Facebook's answer, side-loading apps, that is to say uh, outside the Facebook world, will still be possible after January 1, 2023. As long as it is done in accordance with our developer policies, including our platform abuse policy, we'll have more to share about the steps we will be taking to allow people to keep using content they have purchased if they choose not to log in with a Facebook account as 2023 draws nearer. And we'll try to prevent that as as long as we can, uh, 2023 drawing nearer. It's, it, 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 it could easily be worse than 2020 is all I'm saying. It's a smart, 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 smart world. And now, ladies and gentlemen... Just a little taste of news of the war, won't you? Soft, listen to the war. We can listen to the war. You can hear it now. Earth's tropics tropics are expanding poleward. That expansion is driven by human-caused changes to the to the ocean, according to new research. This is from the American Geophysical Union. That's one union I don't belong to. The the tropics wrap around Earth's middle like a warm, wet belt. (laughs) Good night. Oh, sorry. This part of the globe gets the most direct sunlight throughout the year. It's characterized by high average temperatures and heavy rainfall. But the region's edges are hot and parched, unlike the interior. Scientists have noted for the past 15 years that these Arab bands... Some of my favorite bands are expanding toward the poles into regions like the Mediterranean, southern Australia, and southern California. These dry areas have expanded more in the southern hemisphere than the northern. Researchers trying to figure it out. New study in 
American Geophysical Union's Journal of Geophysical Research, Atmospheres, argues the failure to agree on an exact mechanism has been in part because most researchers have been looking in the wrong place. The new study found tropical expansion is driven primarily by ocean warming caused by climate change rather than direct changes to the atmosphere. A bigger shift is happening in the southern hemisphere because it has more ocean area. Oh, tropical expansion could have profound economic and social implications. Process could shift storm paths, could use that this weekend, and cause more severe wildfires and droughts in places like California and Australia that are already water-stressed. New findings provide the clearest evidence yet that tropical expansion is, in fact, primarily driven by climate change, according to the authors of the study. While natural long-term climate fluctuations contribute to the observed trends, these variations alone cannot explain the extent to which expansion has already occurred. We demonstrate, said the authors, that the enhanced subtropical ocean warming is independent from the natural climate oscillations. So the climate can oscillate all at once. It's us, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, and nearly 40 years of satellite data from Greenland shows that glaciers on the island have shrunk so much that even if global warming were to stop today, no, it's not, the ice sheet would continue shrinking. Finding is uh, published in the journal Communications, Earth and Environment. I read it for the interesting page numbering protocol. Uh, means that Greenland's glaciers have passed a tipping point, kind of, where the snowfall that replenishes the ice sheet each year can't keep up with the ice that's flowing into the ocean from glaciers. We've been looking at these remote sensing observations to study how ice discharge and accumulation have varied, says Michaela King, lead author. And what we found is that the ice that's discharging into the ocean is far surpassing the snow that's accumulating on the surface of the ice, ice sheet. Researchers found that throughout the 80s and 90s, snow gained through accumulation and ice melted or calved from glaciers. The two were in balance, keeping the ice sheet intact. Through those decades, the researchers found the ice sheets generally lost, oh, about 450 gigatons of ice each year from flowing glaciers, which was replaced with snowfall. Now we're measuring the pulse of the ice sheet, how much ice glaciers drain at the edges which increases in the summer. What we see is it was relatively steady until the big increase in ice discharging to the ocean during a short five- to six-year period. The amount of ice being lost each year started increasing steadily around 2,000. Snowfall didn't increase at the same time, so the ice sheet has been losing ice more rapidly than it's being replenished. Glaciers have been sensitive to seasonal melt for as long as we've been able to observe it with spikes in ice discharge in the summer, she says, but starting in 2,000, you start superimposing that seasonal melt on a higher baseline. So you're going to get even more ice uh, uh, losses, she says. Even if humans were somehow miraculously able to stop climate change in its tracks, well, we got the miracle of the end of the uh, virus coming, so don't disparage that miracle thing just yet. But even if we could, ice lost from glaciers draining ice to the ocean would likely still exceed ice gained from snow accumulation. So the ice sheet would continue to shrink for some time to come. So if you want to go ice skating on a glacier, Greenland is not the place to head for. News of the warm.
copyrighted feature, this broadcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to present Let Us Try, a ballad of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Let us try to stem the tide To beautify our countryside We offer you our hand Let us try To try is to succeed Too much succeeding. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers' failure to meet timelines in implementing the passage of fish, as well as controls on water temperature at dams in the Willamette River Basin in Oregon, has imperiled, threatened native fish species, particularly salmon, and resulted in poor water quality. That's according to a district court judge. What does he know? U.S. District Court Judge Marco Hernandez, well... You know what we say about Mexican judges? Granted a summary judgment in a case brought by four environmental groups, finding the Corps is years behind the timeline needed to complete the work as required under a decision made way back in 2008. It hasn't altered its operations in the interim. It's a painful place to alter operations. Under the ruling, the Corps will have to change how it operates dams in the basin so that threatened silver, sorry, uh, Willamette River Chinook salmon and steelhead don't go extinct before the Corps can make permanent changes required under the schedule that the court ordered. We really think it points out the Corps had an obligation to take recovery seriously and really start engaging in a meaningful way for recovery of fish in the Willamette Basin, says the conservation manager for the Native Fish Society, one of the environmental groups that filed the suit. The sides will submit a briefing, both sides, within a couple of weeks, and the court will consider what to do about the Corps. We don't comment on ongoing litigation, said the Corps spokesperson, Tom Conning. So he was the non-spokesperson in this particular case. He was non-spokesman. However, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, Portland District, he said, is aware of the Corps' ruling in the case. (laughs) Okay. So they get the mail. After Congress passed the Flood Control Act in 1938, the Army Corps began construction and operation of 13 dams throughout the Willamette River Basin. The uh, final one was finished 1969. It did so, Congress did, for flood control, municipal and agricultural water supply, as well as recreation and hydroelectric power. But the dams impacted the native incubation and rearing habitat of native fish species, including Chinook salmon and winter steelhead, and have unnaturally altered the temperatures of the rivers, heating them. Everything needs more heating these days. Anything needs more heating. The Chinook and Steelhead are born in fresh water, like rivers, migrate to oceans and return to fresh water to complete their life cycle. That's not a product. That's a thing. The dams blocked approximately 70% of Chinook and a third of Steelhead habitat. And in the decades that followed, those native species have been driven to the point of extinction, as if they needed their habitat. Find new habitat, babe. And by babe, I mean fish. The two species were listed as threatened under the Environmental Species Act way back in 1999. It gave them protections and required that steps would have to be taken to ensure their survival. The uh, environmental group sued the Corps for lacking a biological opinion on its operations 
They reached a settlement in 2008 requiring the Corps to make changes to correct water temperature and create passages for the fish at the dams. said the Corps would make major changes at many of its dams in the basin by 2023. Why, that's only three years away. There's no... According to the Salem Statesman Journal, more journal than a statesman, the Corps has blown past many of those deadlines or will as the projects require many years of planning and construction, as well as millions of dollars to complete. Well, I got that on me. The deadline for construction of a water temperature control was 2009, and fish passages, December 2014. Many of those are not on schedule to be designed until after the ultimate 2023 deadline for completion. I'm smelling missed deadline. I don't know about you. But to try is to succeed. The Corps says it itself. Let him try. Just let him try. You were the sunshine, baby, whenever you smiled. But I call you stormy today. With one eye out the window, this is the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of America's longest war. For that, 
Still going on? Schools reopened across Afghanistan this weekend. Following months of closure due to the coronavirus, they got it there too. Private schools were allowed to commence all classes. The relatively ill-equipped public sector schools were only allowed to resume classes for 11th and 12th grade students, according to Turkish press. Guidelines will be uh, issued for the resumption of lower grades, lower grade children, (laughs) it says here. I'm sure that's not a judgment. Afghanistan uh, came face to face with the pandemic about three months after the first detection in China. The threat came to the country's western border with Iran when thousands of Afghan refugees began returning daily with evident signs of the virus starting in February. But uh, Afghanistan is not doing nothing about the virus. An all-female robotics team recently designed low-cost ventilators to treat COVID patients in Kabul. Remarkable group of young Afghan women, according to Arab News. Their innovative ventilators are now being rolled out across Afghanistan's hospitals in partnership with the WHO are helping those suffering from the virus. I thought we were doing all the ventilators. We, the United States. The Afghan government said this week it would not release the remaining 320 Taliban prisoners. That stalls peace talks that were set to go ahead. France and Australia had previously spoken out against the release because the prisoners, Taliban prisoners, had killed French and Australian soldiers. This according to Deutsche Welle. Only last week, a Loya Jurga traditional council reached an agreement to release a final 400 prisoners. Since then, the uh, Afghan administration has released 80, but then halted the release program. That 400 should have been the last of 5,000 Taliban released by Kabul in return for 1,000 Afghan security personnel held by the militants. The prisoner swap was uh, thought up and agreed to earlier this year as a goodwill gesture ahead of U.S.-arranged peace talks. Not like the ones with the United Arab Emirates. There's actually a war going on in Afghanistan. There's no plan to release any prisoner today, said an official with the country's National Security Council, talking to the French news agency. Taliban are not releasing Afghani captives, according to an Afghan government official. The Taliban dispute that claim. Since signing the agreement, the Taliban have kept a promise not to attack U.S. and NATO troops, but they have carried out regular attacks on Afghan security forces, maybe even increasing attacks. Meanwhile, in the Washington Post... Afghan's Prime Minister Ashraf Ghani demanded the Taliban acknowledge the changed reality of today's Afghanistan and work to preserve the and expand the gains the Afghan people have made since the uh, Americans toppled the Taliban way back in 2001. But according to the Christian Science Monitor, analysts and civil society activists say fresh government efforts to change some rules 
amount to an unexpected bid to impose increasingly conservative restrictions on Afghanistan. Proposed changes to the family law, for example, include immediate forfeiture of maintenance, I said forfeiture, of maintenance by a husband for his wife if she refuses intercourse, for reasons beyond those permissible under Sharia law, or even goes out without his permission. Underage marriage would become possible through a loophole that would require consent of a male relative and court approval. One reason may be campaign commitments made by President or Prime Minister Ghani to conservative elements during his re-election campaign. He is president, sorry. During his re-election campaign last September. Another may be a bid to broaden the appeal of government that's accused by the Taliban of being a pro-Western U.S. puppet and is perceived to have ushered too many liberal changes into a traditional society. That's how it looks from here. How does it look from there? From Afghanistan Public Radio, reminding you our polls are better than their polls. From the abandoned American television truck in downtown Kabul, where even the green zone runs on fossil fuels. <laughs> I'm Mahmoud. And I'm Hamid. We're Smick and Smack, the Talking Trash Brothers. Welcome, after a COVID-induced absence, to a new edition of Cars I Talk. Today's program comes to you with the assistance of the Afghan Rifle Association. Everyone's got one. Why not you? <laughs> well, my younger brother... We're face-to-face again after a long break, Mm -hmm. you and your palatial apartment. And you in the back room of your Toyota dealership. (laughs) (laughs) At least it has good internet. Mm. I couldn't have lasted this long without Afghanistan's got talent. Mm. And uh, do we, my younger brother? Well, I have to be honest. Mm -hmm. It depends on what you mean by talent. (laughs) (laughs) The good news, of course, is that our schools are reopening. Yes, another opportunity for me to go back where they kicked me out of. (laughs) (laughs) No, No, you're not really thinking of going back to finish your education. Hey, how educated do you have to be to get a peasant to buy a Celica? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, you're on Cars I Talk. Yes, where do you want the bodies? Over in... Excuse me? My brother, I... APR has told you to keep your business activities separate from this show. Why don't... Caller, who are you? Our format forbids anonymity as well as profanity. I'm freaking Bardak of the damn Taliban. I'm calling from the truck. We've been I... in the sun for the last hour. The Afghan army casualties aren't going to bury themselves. Hmm. Well, thank goodness our format is happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Bardak, yes. welcome. Yes. I gather from what you said the Taliban attacks on the government are continuing. Well, they had that damn ceasefire for half a fighting season mm-hmm. this year, so... We're just making up for lost time. That's the famous Afghan sense of efficiency at work. (laughs) Marta, you say you're in the truck. Might I ask, just as an opening gambit to a possible upgrade for you, what kind of truck are you... Excuse my younger brother, Bardak. He sees you as a prospect, not an enemy. (laughs) (laughs) The summer's celebration doesn't last much longer. Well, the place they sent me to is full... I'm boiling up in my mask here. I just so I'm gathering that our call-in number is just a digit or two off from some Taliban office? Or the country is running out of numbers and we're now sharing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for the call. Lucky the kill button still works. On, On the, the phone. 
Hello, Joran Karzaito. Hello, this is Ashraf the Patriot, long-time supporter of this country's traditional values, mm-hmm. first-time caller. Ashraf, you share a first name with our country's leader, President Rani. Yes, we are running out of names, too. <laughs> but I'm calling to ask if you think the new coalition with the Taliban means we'll finally shake off the radical changes we've experienced since the Americans arrived. Mm, I can tell you one thing. It means we'll be shaking off all that cash the Americans spread around. <laughs> <laughs> that was good cash, wasn't it? It was, like the kids say, radical. Ashraf, what are the changes you are unhappy about? Well, giving women the wrong idea about their role in society. Mm. For example, they now think using the telephone is perfectly okay. Oh. They should have my mobile service provider. (laughs) (laughs) And women at the polling station at election time, it's twice as crowded. That's just common sense. But but, but Ashraf, if we tweet... If we treat women as you recall we used to, won't they become sullen and silent in their resentment? You say that like it's a bad thing. (laughs) So, Ashraf, are you really just a Taliban fan but don't want to admit it? No, no, not at all, my friend. They, uh... They, they betray our country's values and traditions almost as much as the radicals in power now. Mm, how's that? Well, they treat the men about as badly as the women. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the call. We had help today from the Afghan Food Bank, the food bank with interest. When you withdraw your food, you get a free pomegranate. Legal services for cars I talk from the law firm of Ketchum and Nukem. I'm Mahmoud. And I'm Hamid. Join us next time we unmask for another edition of Cars I Talk. This is APR, Afghanistan Public Radio. Pelosi thinks that she's so smart, she can just spit out subpoenas. But she'll learn soon enough who's a very stable genius. a real smart guy at least that's what I'm told he thought of all these theories although he looked real old but you never saw him on TV not network not even cable so when you're talking geniuses, I'm the one who's very stable, very Brilliant like the sun when you needed code, thought up that guy was really number one, but he didn't even.
even speak English Not willing or not able So when you're talking geniuses I'm the one who's very stable of Donald Trump, a song a week, yours to enjoy on YouTube, and wherever you get your music. Where do you get your music? And now, the Apologies of the Week. We're so sorry. Ellen DeGeneres has made some changes in her daytime talk show in the wake of allegations of a toxic workplace. Spokesman for Warner Brothers said three of the show's top producers, Ed Glavin, Kevin Lehman, and Jonathan Norman, have parted ways with this show. DeGeneres had a virtual meeting after the announcement with her staff and said, quote, I try to be the best person I can be, and I try to learn from my mistakes. I'm, learn I'm hearing that some people felt that I wasn't kind or too short with them or too impatient. I apologize to anybody if I've hurt your feelings in any way. Unquote. Ellen, be kind to each other, won't you? The American Academy of Pediatrics recently joined other prominent medical organizations in confronting its history of discrimination. Dr. Roland Scott in the 1950s, during his time as a professor at Howard University, was the first African-American to pass the pediatric board exam in 1934. He was a faculty member of Howard, went on to establish its Center for the Study of Sickle Cell Disease, but when he applied for membership with the American Academy of Pediatrics, he was rejected multiple times beginning in 1939. The group that considered his application, along with that of another black physician, was all white. If they become members, they would want to come and eat with you at the table, one Academy member said. Quote, 
you cannot hold them down, unquote. Dr. Scott was accepted a year later along with his Howard professor, Dr. Alonzo DeGreat Smith, another black pediatrician, but they were only allowed to join for educational purposes and were not permitted to attend meetings in the South ostensibly for their safety. More than a half century later, the American Academy of Pediatrics has formally apologized for its racist actions, including its initial rejections of doctors Scott and Smith on the basis of their race. Statement will be published in the September issue of Pediatrics. Get your copy now. The group also changed its bylaws to prohibit discrimination on the basis of race, religion, sexual orientation, or gender identity, said the organization's president, marking the group's 90th anniversary. This apology is long overdue. She said in an interview, Dr. Sally Goza did, that the group learned from the example of another organization that confronted its racist past, the American Medical Association. Well, I had no idea. A Chinese publisher has yanked a math textbook for junior high students from its product line amidst an outcry over the fact that different versions were printed for male and female students. Blue version for the boys, red version for the girls. The East China Normal University Press said in a post on its official account, it claimed the books were designed specifically to cater to strengths and weaknesses of different genders. You wouldn't understand. For example, the male version includes content in the form of games. Boys like to play games. And for the girls, we have more practical scenarios, such as buying vegetables and fruit in the market. That's what one of the authors told local media outlet, I Feng News. No, I don't. The publisher said in its WeChat post that both versions of the text were of a similar difficulty. But even the post was titled, My daughter is great at math, so she should buy the male version. The publisher later deleted the WeChat post. Comments quickly flooded China's popular Twitter-like platform. Backlash prompted the publisher to announce earlier this week it was halting publication of the two versions of the book immediately. On Thursday, the company released a statement apologizing, quote, for the negative impact of this matter and promising, quote, to draw lessons from it. We cherish the concerns of our readers and friends and are very touched, unquote, the Chinese publisher. Ever heard the word touched in an apology before? Hey, comedian Randy Rainbow apologized on Thursday afternoon after old tweets resurfaced online in which he uses racist and transphobic language. That's good for a laugh. In an interview with The Advocate magazine, he said the decade-old tweets were made in his maiden quest to be funny. Rainbow further explained, I'm incredibly sorry. I would never do intentionally anything to hurt anyone. I learned many years ago over the last decade that there are things you must be sensitive about. There are issues that I was not aware of back then. In 2010, we weren't anywhere near where we are now. Unquote. He insisted he's never been racist or transphobic. There's not a racist or intolerant bone in my body. When I say I've involved with the times, I meant that my comedy has. I did not need to be taught not to be racist or transphobic because I never was. Racist uh, Rainbow, who identifies as gay, is most well-known for his parody songs and political spoofs targeting Donald Trump. He did appear on an episode of RuPaul's Drag Race a couple years ago and was uh, a spreadsheet circulating on Twitter containing over 60 now-deleted tweets, mainly from 2010 and 11, has greatly disappointed Many of his fans in the tweets, Rainbow frequently uses stereotypical comments about black, Latino, Asian, Jewish, transgender, and lesbian people as punchlines. Well, that's inclusive. 
Netflix has issued a swift mea culpa after a strong backlash around the marketing of its forthcoming release, Cuties. The largely well-received French-language film won award at Sundance this year. It follows Amy, an 11-year-old girl who joins a group of dancers named the Cuties at school and rapidly grows aware of her burgeoning femininity. It's my favorite kind. Oh, I, no, you can't say that. The film is rated 82% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. This is according to Deadline. They used the words burgeoning femininity. Netflix recently began promoting the movie. The accompanying artwork has provoked a storm of online criticism, many, many saying the poster sexualizes children. Netflix moved quickly to take down the offending artwork, has replaced it. It wouldn't confirm whether the poster was made in-house or by an agency outhouse. Also apologized in a statement. We're deeply sorry for the inappropriate artwork that we used for cuties. It was not okay, nor was it representative of this French film, which premiered at Sundance. We've now updated the pictures and the description. And the accounts of this game with that. No, go that far. Disgraced Bishop Michael Bramsfield has a four-paragraph message to the faithful. He's sorry if he offended anyone. This is in West Virginia. Bransfield was supposed to make public apologies as part of a plan of amends for alleged sexual and financial misconduct. I'm writing to apologize for any scandal or wonderment caused by words or actions attributed to me during my tenure as bishop of the Wheeling Charleston Diocese. He began a letter this week. He served as bishop of the diocese from 2005 to 2018. A church investigation examined multiple credible allegations of sexual harassment of adults as well as financial improprieties. There's your wonderment right there. The Washington Post last year published findings from an internal church investigation that found Bransfield spent millions of dollars on chartered jets, lavish furnishings, and nearly 600 cash gifts to fellow clergymen. An investigative report dated February 21 of last year detailed how Bransfield allegedly groomed and inappropriately touched young man. Oh, there's the word touched in an apology right there. Leader of Australia's New South Wales state apologized this week for failing to stop people carrying the novel coronavirus from disembarking from a cruise ship in Sydney in March, triggering what was at the time Australia's worst outbreak. My wife and I were in Sydney, in the harbor, looking at that ship when that happened. The apology from New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejikian for her government's poor handling of the outbreak aboard the Ruby Princess came as the number of deaths from a second wave of infections in Victoria State hit a record 25. Back in this country, Davidson College in North Carolina apologized this week for supporting slavery during its first 30 years in the 19th century and for what the college called its embrace of the racist laws and policies in subsequent decades. The apology followed a two-year examination of the college's ties to slavery by a campus commission the apology of the private liberal arts school near Charlotte comes amid the national reckoning. The president said, We have much work to do to understand the pain and injury the college has caused. In its report, the commission called on the college to implement a number of racial equity and justice initiatives. Maxwell Chambers, the slave owner for whom the building is named, that is Chambers Hall, left $260,000 to the college when he died, the largest donation at the time to a college in the South. He was a slave owner. The commission also urged more research in public education about the college's historic ties to slavery, including 250,000 bricks used for the construction of the college's first seven buildings were made by slaves. First students arrived, two faculty members and business manager owned enslaved people, and so forth. 
Adobe is offering its condolences to customers after an update to its Lightroom photo manager permanently deleted troves of snapshots on people's iPhones, iPads, and iPod touches. The data annihilation was triggered after people this week fetched the new version 5.4 of the iOS software. Hey, it comes and goes, you know? The longtime principal of Whitwell Elementary School in Tennessee near Chattanooga is asked to be reassigned following a controversy over a Facebook post. David Smith requested that he uh, be reassigned. He apologized for a Facebook post that was widely circulated, sent to various media outlets. They included a meme of Joe Biden and Senator Kamala Harris. The meme pictured the two with the captions, Pee pads and knee pads. Smith told the board members he didn't know the true meaning of the meme until he Googled it, and then it was too late. He will relinquish his position as principal and will move to the school's assistant principal position, where he'll focus on what memes mean. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. going to be it for this edition of the show. More of it next week. A whole other hour of it. And it would be just like um, California not going up in smoke. And Louisiana not being blown away. If you'd agree to join with me then. Would you already thank you very much. Uh, a tip of the show. Chapeau to the San Diego desk. To Pam Halstead and to Thomas Walsh at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's program. The email address for this broadcast. Playlist of the music heard here on your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts. The guys are on them. All at harryshearer.com. And I'm on the Twitter at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long. From your radio.